Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. And I receive supernatural debt cancellation. You may be seated. Open your Bible to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. We're continuing with part two of how to fill in the blanks. How to fill in the blanks. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9. And we know what the word the Lord has spoken over 2016. And based on that, we have been declaring we're breaking out into a great year. So I want to remind you about some of the things we went over on Sundays and previous Wednesdays. What the Lord said through Brother Jerry Savelle, 2016, the year of the great breaking loose. He said, extraordinary things are taking place in the heavenlies. We're going to focus on that tonight. And 2016 will come to be known as the year of the great breaking loose. More and more notable miracles will break loose of the earth. More and more signs and wonders. More and more angelic visitations. More and more instant healings. More and more deliverances for demonic activity. And more and more finances will break loose so my people can do more for the kingdom, saith the Lord. And during this time of the great breaking loose, the enemy will no longer be able to hold back that which my faithful ones have stood in faith for. Not even the things that looked as though they would never come to pass. For I will cause them to break loose and to suddenly manifest and to do so in such a way that no one will be able to deny the greatness of your God. Yes, 2016 will be a year in which the faithful shall be rewarded beyond their highest expectations and they shall abound in my blessings as never before. Praise the Lord. The Lord said through Brother Copeland, 2016, the great year. And he said, I was waiting for the great year of what? He said, it's the great year for whatever you need it to be. Let your faith fill in the blanks. That's why we're teaching the series, How to Fill in the Blanks. Whatever your faith and your heart can believe, you can have it in 2016. Don't start backing down and making room for what you can do. If you can start putting things down on there that are possible that you can do, I don't get any glory out of that. Step on out there. Get in my word and step out there with your faith. Let me show you my grace in 2016, and let me manifest myself in your life in the land of the living. I want others to see it. I want to manifest myself to you in the land of the living. When you get through with 2016, you will have a testimony. Then there's another word that I read on the first Sunday of the year. And I read in its entirety. I'm going to uh, do just the last part. It was the one we called, I know more than what... I know more than you know about what you've been through. And so the Lord began to describe it and what you may have went through in 2015 and how you even thought about quitting. But then he said, the Lord said, you don't know how victorious you really are. He says, because you couldn't see all that was arrayed against you like I could. You have no idea the forces that Satan put together trying to get you out of his way. You see, you are very important to the devil. He hates you. 
You are dangerous to his affairs and to all that he has planned. And he has no defense for what you have on the inside of you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So rejoice, and again I say rejoice, a half of the best is yet to come. And heaven has it written down that you won the battle, you stood the test, and now the good stuff happens. Amen? So I want to remind you the four points we went over last Wednesday of how to fill in the blanks. Number one, figure out what you want. Number two, ask for wisdom. Number three, find it in the word. Number four, believe that God is able. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, one of the things we're going to look at tonight, we'll go over another key, but one of the first things the Lord said through Brother Jerry Savelle is that extraordinary things are taking place in the heavenlies. And whenever you look in the scriptures, when it says the word heavens, you have to determine what heaven is it talking about. And in the scriptures, there's three heavens. There's the first heaven, where we call where we live, earth, and the sky above us. There's the second heavens, the interstellar heavens and the universe. And above that's the third heaven where God resides, where God lives. So when he's talking about extraordinary things are taking place in the heavenlies, he is referring to the second heaven. And in the second heavens is also where spiritual warfare takes place. So go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asherus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel, this great man of God, this great prophet of God, is reading the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. He's going over the scriptures, and he comes to a point where God said, I know the plans that I have for you. And as he's going over it, he realizes that Israel's only supposed to be in captivity for 70 years. And as he's reading it, he's calculating, he says, wait a minute, year 70 is here, but we are still in captivity. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So he set himself. If you're going to set yourself, you are focused and you will not be distracted. Now, the thing is, a lot of people say, well, I don't have time to pray. Daniel ruled an empire. He found time to pray. How many know we can find time to pray? So he set himself to pray, to intercede, to supplicate, to remind God of his promises. He was pleading his case. And then he said he also was fasting. Now, what is the purpose of fasting? Fasting does not move God, and fasting does not change God. Fasting changes you. Now, the thing is, you can just go on a fast and not eat. That'll make you more spiritual. That's made you more hungry. Part of fasting is denying the flesh, but what you do is when you fast, you take the time that you would have done if you fast food, for example. You take the time you would have done to go buy the food, to prepare the food, to cook the food, to eat the food, clean up after the food, and you take that and you dedicate that to prayer and the reading of the Word. Because if you just fast and don't eat, what's the point of that? You're just hungry. Fasting has to have a purpose. 
Now, you can fast food, you can fast TV, you can fast things that really don't matter. You can fast different times, and you put that to the Lord. But the purpose of fasting is taking that time, which you would have used for something else, and put it towards the focus where you're setting yourself up. So if you're in a fast right now, a lot of people do it the first of the year, some for health reasons, some for nutrition, some for spiritual things. If you're setting that time away, actually use it and progress. Don't just not eat. So, oop, I completed the Daniel fast. Well, what'd you get? Make sure it's working for you. So he is fasting, taking that time and setting himself. And it says to seek. The word seek means to search out, to strive for, or ask. He is working in prayer. Daniel saw a promise from God in the word, and he knew the set time for it had arrived, but the promise had not manifested. So he set himself, and he decided not to waver. We're going to look at this fifth key all night. Do not waver. How to fill in the blanks? Do not waver. Make sure you get everything. Do not waver. Make sure you get everything. So as he's praying, and he's praying a word-based prayer. So remember we said last week, make sure you find it in the word. He's not praying to some he came up with. He found the promise in the word, and he's praying that out. And as he is praying, you can skip down to verse 21, he's interrupted. He didn't finish his prayer yet. But he's interrupted while he's praying. Says, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation with the evening sacrifice. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding at the beginning of thy supplications. He just started praying probably a few minutes ago. It'd take you maybe five minutes to pray what he prayed. And notice that he caused him to fly swiftly. Where did he fly from? The throne of God. He got there in probably about five minutes. That's pretty good timing. That's not our speedways on Atlanta freeways, even though some people drive like that. But And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. How many know we're greatly beloved by God? Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So Daniel's praying about the future of Israel, and the angel comes in a response to his prayer. One of the things I want you to realize is prayer releases angelic forces. The more you pray, the more angelic forces can be released. And what was the result of Daniel's prayer and the word that was spoken by Jeremiah? Go to Ezra chapter 1. One of the things you have to realize is the will of God is not automatic. The will of God is not automatic. How do I know that? New Testament tells us that God desires that all men to, should be saved. But will everybody be saved? No. It's his will, but it doesn't mean it automatically happens. It's his will that you break out this year. It's his will that you have a great year that you fill in the blanks. But there is a part that you have to play. So God spoke his word through Jeremiah. The word's out there. It's his will. Daniel sees it, takes that word to prayer. 
He sets himself. He decides not to waver so he can get everything that God said. So you see in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, so this is a couple years after Daniel began to pray within that time frame, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. That's modern-day Iran. That he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you all his people? His God be with them, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem, and whosoever remains in any place where he sojourns, let the men of this place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, the priests and the Levites, and with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened them their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Also Cyrus king, the king, brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem and put them in the house of his gods. Even those that Cyrus king of Persia bring forth by the hand of Mithrath the treasurer and numbered them unto Shabazar the prince of Judah. So what happened? God spoke the word by Jeremiah. Daniel prayed, and at a certain time, this heathen king, spirit was stirred. Hey, all you Israelis, it's time for y'all to go home. Sends out a letter to his whole empire. Why were they in the first place? They were deported. They were captives. They were taken from their homeland. They didn't have a right to return. Nebuchadnezzar took the kingdom of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar took the people of Jerusalem and Benjamin. But because the word of God had been spoken, the set time had arrived and the man of God prayed, this heathen's king spirit was stirred and he says, you know what? Your captivity is over. God broke them out. And not only says go back home, he sends a letter, everybody, if you're near them, Give them some money. This is the official government. Imagine in any nation, the king or the president says, I want you to go find a church and give them some money. This is the official government declaration. Give them some gold. Give them some silver. Give them some animals. Give them this. And on top of that, take up an offering and take it to the church. So God broke them out again and gave them something to be broke out with. And then on top of that, you think that's just good. They're not captives anymore. They can go home. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of stuff. That's pretty good. But Cyrus went back to everything Nebuchadnezzar stole from Judah. When Nebuchadnezzar took Judah, he went into the temple Solomon built and took out all the treasure out of it and took it back to his place. It's still there. So what did God do? He went into the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from them. And took this, now take it home. God spoke. The set time arrived. 
the man prayed, and all these things began to change. Because a man of God set himself when he found it in the word, and he began to pray. Go to Psalm 126. Psalm 126 talks about this. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, when God broke them out, we were like them that dream. It's like we were walking in a dream. It was so amazing. It felt like we were dreaming. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, like us last week. Ha, ha, ha. And our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord have done great things for them. Cyrus sends out this letter. They see the people of God going home. Then all the people that don't know God start talking, saying, man, God is doing some good things for them. Sounds like what the word of the Lord said through Brother Jerry and Brother Copeland, that God wants to do it in such a way everybody else sees it. Notice what it says next. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad, we are filled with joy. Now, if it's stopped right there, that's good enough. That's describing the whole situation. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as thy streams in the south. Wait a minute. If God just set the people free, why are they saying again, turn our captivity again? You have to understand that there was three different waves when the people of God were released from modern-day Persia and Assyria. There was a first group that went. Then there was another group when you can read about it in Ezra and Nehemiah. Not everybody left the first time. And it was not because the enemy held them back. Some people stayed because they were satisfied where they were. They had lived there so long, it's like, oh, why go back? This is pretty good. We kind of like the weather here. Why, got, why go back? And so there's different situations that began to happen in Israel and Judah, and it wasn't exactly where God wanted it to be. But the psalm goes on and says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and Weeping, bearing precious seed or seed basket shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. So there could have been people who were thinking, this is all we got. But how many know when you take all you got and put it in the hands of God, it's more than enough? And that you can't be God-giving. So if you put it in his hands, it'll always multiply. It's like what he said through Paul, he will multiply your seed sown. Now you take an apple seed, put it in the ground, you get an apple tree, it's multiplied. No, 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 that's natural, that's normal. It's you taking one apple seed, put it in, you get 10 apple trees. That's multiplying your seed sown. That's super on your natural. So go back to Daniel 10. So the first wave has been released. But it's not everything that God had promised. 
Remember we said, do not waver, get everything. People could have been satisfied. Well, the children of Judah have gone home. They started rebuilding the temple, praise God, and left it at that. You should just be satisfied. You saved. You ain't going to hell. Just be happy. Well, that's good. I'm happy I'm not going to hell. I'm happy to be saved. But that's not all that God had offered. See, what well, the thing is, the enemy will try to contain you. If he can stop, not, stop getting you from getting saved, okay, well, you just be saved and stay right there. Be broke, be sick, be depressed. Okay, you can get the Holy Ghost, but stop there. All right, you can get healed, but you can't have no money. Nope, your family's got to be jacked up. He always tries to contain you. Because he's a negotiator, just like Pharaoh negotiating with Moses. All right, the fathers can go, but everybody else got to stay. Okay, you can go, but leave your money. Okay, you can go, but leave your animals. Negotiating. Don't settle. Don't waver. Get everything God has for you this year. Daniel 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, remember, he sent the proclamation in year one. So this is two, about two years later. A thing was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the thing was true with the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning or was fasting three full weeks. He's fasting three full weeks. What is he praying for? When you read the rest of the chapter, you realize he's praying over Israel and his condition and those who had returned to the land. So although he had set himself to pray a couple years ago about the issue, everything has not come to pass yet. So he sets himself again. He fasts again. He puts stuff aside again and begins to pray. He is praying for three weeks on the same thing. Some of us get upset if we pray on the same thing for an hour nothing changes. He's been praying for three weeks, standing in faith for three weeks. Skip down to verse 11. So as he's praying, this angelic being appears, so glorious, so mighty, and at his appearance, the other people with Daniel did not see him. Because by this point, some scholars believe Daniel had retired. He's in his 90s or early 100s. He didn't retire until he got to his 90s. Now, that's pretty good. He started working when he was 15 and didn't retire until he was in his 90s. But apparently he still had a secret service detail because he's out the river and a whole bunch of other people are with him. So he's there. This angel appears. They don't see it, but a great trembling falls upon everybody and they run away. Daniel's energy falls out. He's slain in the spirit. And he gets to verse 11. This angelic being says, Oh, Daniel... A man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, say first day, that thou hast set your heart to understand and to chase yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. The first day you prayed, I was released. We saw in the last chapter, the first day he prayed, Gabriel was released and came. It was immediately. But he said, don't think 
God is slow or slack concerning his promises. The first day you prayed, I was released. You said something, and I'm here because you said something. The more you pray, more angelic presences and powers are released. So the thing is, he could have, after day one, given up. But look at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But lo, Micah, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. What happened? Daniel set himself to pray. The angelic being was released, and then a demonic prince, a demon, a demonic angel, got into the way to resist the answer from coming to Daniel. So for 21 days, these beings are fighting. Now, if Daniel stopped praying, I submit to you, the angel would never got there. He stood in faith, stood praying, decided not to waver, decided to get everything, and what happened, another angel was released. Michael was released to help in the battle because he did not give up. He had set himself. Go to verse 20. Remember, more prayer releases more angelic forces. Then said he, know, where I, know thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I go low, the prince of Greece shall come forth. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture truth, and there is none that holds with me in these things but Michael, your prince. He said, there's only two of us fighting. Why? No one else is praying. You got to think people get mad at president, Congress, Supreme Court, Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians, whoever you want to name. But if the church doesn't pray, they can't do nothing. They don't run this nation. The church does. If the church doesn't pray, of course the nation's going to be messed up. And even remember how this nation is designed, it's we the people. But if we the people don't pray, we the people are going to be messed up. But as people pray, more forces are released. Daniel could have given up and never got his answer. But he decided not to. He set himself, decided not to waver, and he decided to receive everything. Go to Ephesians 6.12. We must be people of prayer. That's why you should come out for all night prayer this Friday. We're going to pray. Angelic forces are going to be released. Ephesians 6 verse 12. We looked at part of this chapter on Sunday. Paul says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Notice how many times Paul said against. You could have said you, you wrestle against this and then had a whole list. But he's saying again and again to let you know you are in combat. That word against, you are face to face. These are your enemies, not people. Stop getting upset with sinners. Sinners sin. Newsflash. Remember who your enemy really is. 
So Paul is reminding them, although all this stuff is going around you, remember who your enemy really is. And he lists the rank and file of Satan's kingdom. So as Daniel was praying, there were, there were demonic princes high up there, spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of the darkness of this world who were resisting this man of God's prayer. A lot of times, a lot of people go, oh, the devil is fighting me. Well, most likely, it's just a small little demon imp. That if your eyes were open and you could see it, you're like, is this the dude that's caused me all this trouble? Most people haven't ran to Satan. No, you haven't. But even if he did, he's under your feet. Go to James 4. The enemy tries to withhold what you're believing for. He tries to withhold what you've been praying for. He tries to prevent you from breaking out. He tries to contain you. He tries to keep you from having a great year. James 4. He tried to keep the answer from coming to Daniel. Try to keep him from having his breakthrough. James 4 verse 7 Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submission, you choose to agree with God and do what he says. Now, a lot of times it's like, oh, that's just doing something I don't want to do. Yes, but it's also it's believing everything he says. So if he says this is a year of breakthrough, he says this is your great year, he says that you're breaking out into a great year, he says that 2016 will make up for 2015, he says you're never gonna, you've never laughed this much like you laughed this year, you must submit to God and believe it. No matter what goes on around you, you must believe what God said. Submit yourself to God and then what does it say next? Resist, stand opposed to the devil. Resist him. You must oppose what he tries to do. You must oppose his strategies. Affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. Whatever attack he sends, you must resist it. We must man up. We must woman up as we read on Sunday from the writings of the Apostle Paul. We can't let every attack knock us back down on our seat and go, woe is me. Oh, this is just too bad. I guess I can't break out. I guess I can have a great year, and you listen to those crows, and you stay on the scarecrow pole. You can't let Satan push you. You can't wimp out this year. Resist the devil, and he will flee. That means run in stark terror. So many Christians are running in stark terror from the devil. But the Bible promises if you resist him, he will flee. So you must take your stance and push back. Don't just be pushed on, push back. Because if he flees from you, that lets you know you're greater than him. You have to understand greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So by association with your Jesus alone, you've been made greater than the devil ever was. Understand how things are where the spiritual things are concerned. Yes, there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and then there's you. And then there's the classes of angels. Then there's Satan and his demons. Satan is not even in your class. Stop giving praise to the enemy. Oh, the devil did this. The devil did this. The devil what? No. Stop glorifying the enemy. 
Stop talking about how big and bad the devil is and talk about how big and great your God is. Talk about how big and great your year is. Talk about how big and great your breakthrough is. Stop talking about how big and great your problems are, your circumstances are, and what the enemy has done. Talk about what God is doing, what God will do. Talk about what God said. Go to 1 Peter 5. You must resist the enemy. You must get some spiritual fortitude. You must stand strong in faith. We cannot be weak in faith. We cannot have Thomas's faith. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. We got to be like Abraham. I believe it, so then I'll see it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. What does it mean to humble yourself before God? It's not going, oh, I'm so unworthy. I'm such a worm. I just belong in the dirt. That's not humbling yourself. That is stupid religion. That's not the word of God. Saying yourself unworthy, that you're unworthy is a slap in the face to the blood of Jesus. The blood made you worthy. Are you saying that your sins and your mistakes are a special case and the blood was enough? That God didn't do a good job? That he didn't redeem you enough? He didn't sanctify you enough? God did what he's supposed to do. He made you worthy. He made you as soon as you were born again, as soon as you accepted Jesus as your Lord, he made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not an old sinner saved by grace. Pick one. You're either an old sinner or you're saved by grace. He changed you the moment you were born again. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God is once again believing what God says about you. No matter what you feel, no matter what you see, no matter what you told, I choose to take the word as final authority over my life. What the Bible says, I believe. If the Bible says it, that settles it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, that he may lift you up at the set time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You must take your care and give it to God. You are not meant to carry a care. You are not meant to carry a worry. You're supposed to give it to God. Remember, cares of this world or distraction of this world, it's one of the tactics of the enemy to take you down. Mark chapter 4. Remember when he looked at Paul's life, when he was writing 2 Corinthians about all the stuff he went through, he talked about affliction, he talked about persecution, and then he said, on top of all that, the cares of the churches. So Satan couldn't stop him from pressure of people or because the ship would break up or all the storms that would come to him. He tried to give him some cares, make him worry about all the things going on in all the different churches. Those are all attacks from the enemy to make him let go of the purpose God had given him. But you have to be like Paul, who says, I forgive the things that are behind me, and I press. You must press through the mess. You cannot let the mess stop you. You cannot let drama stop you. You must press. You must get on your faith, get on the Word of God for this year, and press through everything. Press through hell itself if you need to, and get what God has promised you. You must press. Faith and patience inherits the promise. Another word for patience is endurance. How long do you endure until you get what you want? Do not waver. Get everything. 
Be sober, be alert, stay awake. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. It doesn't say he's a roaring lion. So he's like one. He likes to think he's one. I like that cartoon that they put around on social media that has a little cat behind a rock with a megaphone. We have glorified the enemy so much. We have believed horror movies so much that we think that Satan has more power than we do. Notice what it says next. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. If there's whoms he may devour, there are whoms he can't devour. Who can he devour? The ones who keep their cares. The ones that don't humble themselves before God. Those he can devour, but those who cast their cares, those who humble themselves before God cannot be devoured by the enemy. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Take your victorious stance we talked about on Sunday. Lay hold to it in faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold unto eternal life. Knowing the same afflictions, the same drama, the same labor, the same painship and hardship are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So don't think you are a special case. But no one else has gone through what you've been through. No one else has seen your troubles, your sorrows, or your worries. It's only you going through. No, no, no. Everybody goes through. So remember that. Hold on to your faith and get the victory. Set yourself. Do not waver. Get everything. Go to Romans 16, 20. Remember, you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. You are an overcomer. Not you will be an overcomer. You are an overcomer right now. You are fighting a defeated foe. Jesus beat him. Jesus disarmed him. Jesus detoothed him. Took all his keys. And then gave you, Jesus gave you the power that belonged to him. He set you right at the right hand of God. You are seated in Christ Jesus. You are far above the devil. So stop putting yourself on the same plane. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Where does Satan belong? Under your feet. If he ever gets higher than your big toe, he's up too high. Keep him under your feet. The word shortly I heard also refers to a military march. Stomp all over his head. Don't let him get high. Don't let him run as Dad Hagen says, high carnival in your house. Don't let him throw a party. If Satan is throwing a party in your house, it's because you let him. Take your place. Take your authority. Get him back where he belongs. Stop thinking he's some great foe. He is defeated. You have overcome him. So keep him under your feet. And remember, although he tries to resist you, know what God promised. You must resist. You must press. He will flee and he will get what God said. 1 Timothy chapter 1. How do you resist? Verse 18, almost done. First Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18. Notice what Paul tells Timothy. 
This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on thee, that thou by them, by the prophecies, mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. How did Paul tell Timothy to fight? Use the prophecies. Use what God said about your life. So God has spoken specifically as you read the letters to Timothy by these ministry gifts to him, but what God called him to do. So Paul said, you take those words that God spoke to you by the men of God, and you say that, and you by those words, you wage a warfare, and you get what God said. Hold faith. Don't let faith go. You must stay in faith. You must stand in faith. You must be strong in faith if you want to get what God promised. Go to Psalm 103. You must take the word of God and put it in your mouth. You must say what God says. That's how the kingdom system operates. That's how you got saved. You said what God said. You said that Jesus is Lord. You believe that he is the son of God. You believe he died and God raised him from the dead. You said what God said and you were saved. It's how the kingdom operates. You say what God says. Even when Jesus comes back on the white horse at the last day of the great tribulation, how does he destroy all of his enemies? It says a sword comes out of his mouth. What is he doing? He's talking. And as he says what the Father says, the enemies are defeated before him. You must say what God says. You must say what he said about this year. That's why we keep reading the prophecies so that you start to say them. Psalm 103 verse 20, bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Not God's voice, the voice of God's Word. So, of course, they hearken to when God says something, but they also hearken, listen, and obey when you put the word in your mouth. A lot of times, angels can't do nothing because God's people won't say something. And if they say something, it's not according to the word. So, your angels are on the unemployment line say, we will work for faith confession. You must say what God says. Not just when you're in church, but every day. You can have what you say. You've become the prophet of your own life. If you don't like what you see today, look at what you said yesterday and the days before that. Change what is coming out of your mouth. Don't be flipping with your words. Don't be flipping with your mouth. And say things like, oh, oh, that just tickled me to death. Really? What if the power was turned all the way up? And you had what you said. You just break out laughing and die. It's like that Roger Rabbit movie. Be like those weasels. It's not God's best for your life. What if everything you said came to pass? Watch your mouth. Because it just doesn't turn on one moment. I get the good, then I don't get the bad. Because if God can't turn the power up on your mouth, then you don't get it. You need to say only what the word says. Keep the word in your mouth. Situations will arise and you will be tempted to say something else. If you can't know, you don't know what to say, you don't remember what to say at the moment, just put your hand over your mouth. So people are going to think I'm weird. Well, if you get results, they won't care. 
Look at all the people who are popular. They are weird, but they get results. So let people think you're weird. So your breakthrough happens in a great year. So, ooh, I'm going to be weird like them. You see people walking around the office. Well, it worked for them, so I'm just trying to do the same thing. Say the word only. Speak the word only. Notice what it says next. Bless you, the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. I have next to that verse, and I wrote in my Bible, the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Angels are involved in your prosperity. The verse says, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. It says, let them say continually. So that's something you should say every single day. Let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That's one of the things I say in the morning. Let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And if he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, he greatly delights in blessing me, prospering me, his beloved child. Say that. Angels are involved in prospering you. You don't always have to have the right connections or know the right people. But if you are staying on your faith confession, you're doing what you're supposed to do in the natural. You're staying on what God said. God can send angels to grab that job application and make sure that sticks to somebody's hand. Like, can't shake this off. Who's this person? Say the word. I've even heard testimonies of heathens coming to bless God's people, saying, tell your God to leave me alone. I don't want to follow him, but he won't let me alone until I bless you. Stick to the word. God used Cyrus to bless his people. People don't got to like you to bless you. I listened to Brother Coleman tell a testimony about Oral Roberts. He was believing God for some huge amount and it was up to the last day. I was Brother Jerry telling this testimony. And he needed $1 million. You're like, oof. It's like, that's all you need left? I think it was like a $9 million, $10 million project. It was the last day. And so he called Brother Jerry Savelle. He said, come to the prayer tower at RU and pray with me. We're going to pray this last million in. So Jerry arrives and they're about to start praying. And there's a knock. And here comes a guy in who owns, I believe it was a racetrack. Like where dogs would race when people would gamble. He said, we saw them talking bad about Oral Roberts on the news. And he said, I was just sitting there talking with my wife. These aren't believers, they're heathen. They said, it seems like this Oral Roberts guy is trying to do something good. We should help him. So they brought him a check for $1 million. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, and it finds its way to them. And so Oral Roberts received the check and got the guy saved. So why not you? God didn't give Oral Roberts more faith than you. He says he gives to every believer the same measure of faith. They just developed it. They just grew it up. Keep the word in your mouth. Look for these things. Remember what the Lord told us in December. Look for supernatural debt cancellation. Look for more of the ministry of angels. You must look for it. Remember when Jesus came, when he studied Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, that he only appeared to those who looked for his coming who looked for the consolation of Israel. You must look for breakthrough. You must expect breakthrough. Not just in January, every day of this year. Go to James 1 and we'll close here. Remember what the angelic being 
said to Daniel, I have come for your words. Your prayers and your words you speak affect what goes on in the heavenlies. Remember the word of the Lord, extraordinary things are taking place in the heavenlies. There's great breakthroughs taking place up there, and it will affect you positively. James chapter 1, verse 4. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're going back and forth, faith to fear, faith to fear, faith to fear, maybe I'll break out, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll break out, maybe I won't. Maybe it'll be a great year, maybe it'll be a good year. Maybe it'll be a great year, maybe it'll be horrible. Maybe it'll be this, maybe this. Tossing back and forth, wavering, you won't break out. You won't have a great year of fill in the blanks. You must decide not to waver. Stand in faith and get everything God said. So you got to work on your stance and decide to stand. How long should I stand till you get it? Amen. You must make up in your mind, I'm going to stand forever if it takes forever. You make a decision to stand forever, it won't take forever. Resist, press, take your stand. You are breaking out into a great year. This is your great year for whatever you fill in the blanks for. Because if you can find it in the word, if you can believe it, you can receive it this year. And by the time you get to December 31st, you're going to have a great testimony. A great testimony. I already gave some testimonies via email. But stuff has already happened this year. So why not you? Fill up that church email box with all those testimonies. You try to start church at 10 a.m., y'all came in at 9.50 dancing on the goal line because of all the things God's done already. This is your year. Make sure you decide not to waver. Stand in faith and get everything God promised. Amen. Stand to your feet. Glory to Jesus. Let's lift our hand and thank God for the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the written word. We thank you for the spoken word. We thank you for the words of wisdom and the gift of prophecy that was released to inform us about your plans for 2016. We believe it. We believe what your word says, to believe your prophets, and so shall we prosper. So we believe this is our great year. This is our breakout year. We are breaking out into a great year. And this is our great year for whatever we fill in the blanks for. Because by faith we receive it, and we will see it this year. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. 
Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.